This morning we're going to talk about the problem of counsel. The problem of counsel. A couple of sessions ago we talked about one of the key or essential ingredients to friendship is that of counsel. The ability to be able to give counsel and to receive counsel. And uh, with as many people that are seeking counseling today, there's a lot of confusion as to whether counseling is good or bad. And everyone seems to have an opinion of it. And what we're going to try to do is try to clarify some things uh, from a biblical standpoint. Is counsel right or wrong? Uh, is, uh, is it good or bad? Can it be good? Absolutely. Can it be bad? You better believe it. So we need to be careful about that. But there is some good counsel out there. Uh, in fact, I was reminded of that a, f- a few weeks back when uh, Bill Simsick, I don't know how many of you know Bill, Bill, Bill and Janet head up all the shepherd groups. Well, Bill, he likes to go out golfing every now and then. And uh, so we went out and we were golfing. And, and Bill's, um, well, you know, and he's not a very good golfer. Um, <laughs> that's as polite as I can get. But uh, off the first tee, Bill hits one, and he kind of sli- he kind of slices it, and it goes off to the right, and it goes into these trees, and I hear him down there mumbling and grumbling, and and uh, and, and next thing I see, there's like branches flying all over the place, and you know clubs are coming out, branches, sticks, wait, you know, it's like man, and then finally the ball comes out, and uh, and, he, and it was like, how many strokes is that? Uh, one. Um, <laughs> So he gets in and finally gets through. In the second hole, he hooks one to the, to the uh, left. He tries to compensate for it, and it goes over into the weeds. The next thing I see, he's in there, you know, neck deep in weeds, and weeds are flying, playing weeds all, weeds coming, grass, all everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, finally the ball comes out. And, uh, and he does this, and then on the third hole, he does the same thing. But this time it lands in what looked like, from a distance, a sand trap. And so Bill gets up there, and he's smacking the sand trap, and there is it. But it turns out to be an anthill. I mean, and there, there are ants flying everywhere. I mean, literally, he's killing millions of ants with every swing. There is sand and ants and everything is flying. And everything, man, I mean, the sand's flying, the ants are flying, everything's dying, but the ball is just sitting there rather peacefully. <laughs> Finally, there's only two ants left. And the one ant looks at the other ant and says, man, what are we going to do? And the one ant looks back and says, well, I'll tell you this. If we don't get on a ball, it looks like we're going to die. <laughs> Now, see, now that, that is good counsel. That's good counsel. But anyway, that's what we're going to talk about. First of all, not golfing, not ants, but counsel. The first question you've got to ask yourself is, why do we need counsel? Do we really need counsel? Do I need counsel? See, some of us would prefer just to kind of work things out on ourselves, on our own. You know, kind of like we can handle it ourselves. And we see this very often where there's problems in marriages, for example. You know, well, we can work through this. We've had problems before. We can work through this, and we're going to be able to work this out. And uh, so we don't want to get counsel. We don't want to seek any help. We don't want any advice. We can do it. And uh, a lot of us, particularly men, are in the same situation in business and things like that where, you know, I'll I'll work it out. You know, we can work it out. I'll take care of it. I, I can work it out. So I don't need to go seek counsel, and I certainly don't need someone else's advice in some areas of my life. So we'll just kind of like, you know, do it on my own. Do we need counsel? That's a good question. Some of us have seen the benefits of counsel. Some of you have gone to and sought counsel, and you've seen the benefit of it. Others have gone and sought counsel, and it has only added to or aggravated the problem that you had before you went. Or it's presented a whole another set of problems that you never knew you had. But for 80 bucks an hour for the rest of your life, they probably could get it worked out for you. You know, that's a whole other subject. But I think it ties into what we're talking about. You know, 
it's a very, very sensitive issue, particularly if you're going to counsel now. So what we need to do is we just need to take a good, clear look at what the Bible has to say. And in order to better understand it, we're going to look and see what the Bible says in basically three questions. Number one, why do we need counsel? Do we need it? Can we work it out on our own? What does the Bible have to say? Number two, if we do need counsel, then uh, who should we go see for counsel? And then the third thing is, if we do go see someone for counsel, how should the counsel that we seek be given to us? Very simple. Three things, and I think it will cover a very difficult subject in the short period of time that we have to work with it. So we'll just start from the top. Why do we need counsel? Do we need counsel? Is it mandated by Scripture to seek counsel? Is it, is it optional? What, you know, what's the deal? If you've got your Bibles, turn to Proverbs chapter 12, verse 15. Proverbs 12, verse 15. We'll take a look at a couple of verses that have to do with counsel. It says, in Proverbs 12, verse 15, The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. Okay? Turn ahead a couple of chapters to chapter 19, verse 20 and 21. God encourages us to listen to counsel and accept discipline that you may be wise the rest of your days. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord, it will stand. The first thing that we cannot avoid seeing is that God says that if we listen to counsel, we are wise people as opposed to those who don't listen to counsel. So obviously there's nothing wrong with going to seek counsel because counsel is the difference between being a wise person in the sight of God or a foolish person. So the first thing that we need to understand is that Seeking counsel is a wise thing to do according to God. That's a wise thing to do. It's wise to seek counseling. And you know why? Look at the contrast here in verse, uh, chapter 19, uh, verse 20. Listen to counsel, accept discipline, that you may be wise the rest of the days. Many are the plans in a man's heart. But there's the, con- the contrast again. You know, many of us make plans in our heart. We think we know what we want to do. And uh, the, probably the best illustration of it is, how many of you have ever made a plan in your own heart, devised a plan in your own mind, your own scheme of things, uh, you thought it was the right thing to do, you did it, and it turned out to be an absolute mess? I mean, how many of you have been to that point? All right, now, let's see, how can you protect yourself from doing that again? See, many of us, hey, man, I got this plan, man, I got this dream, I got this thing I want to do, and I'm going to do it, and that's just the way it's going to be. But the only you know, fail-safe protection that we have is to seek counsel because we're confused. We cannot trust ourselves. So the point of seeking counsel is very simple. I can't trust me. And you can't trust you. What you may think is right in your heart may be wrong before God. What you think is a great idea may have been tried by 50 people before you and every one of them failed. But you go, oh, but I'm different. Yeah, yeah, right. And you're no different because the 49th person that failed doing the same thing said the same thing, and so did the 48th and the 47th and the 46th and the 20th and the 19th and the 18th. Everybody's different. And God says, no, you're not. There's nothing new under the sun. You're not different than anybody else. The idea is stupid. Now, that's the living version again, you know. But it is. It's like, you know, and so the purpose of counsel is is to discover how stupid you really are. Isn't that a blessing? 
what is though? You know, and, and that's what you have to look at. You've got to understand, man, you know what? I, it, it's just a smart thing to do. God communicates to you and I, and one of the ways that he does it is through counsel. All right? Now let's go to the next thing. If you've got your Bibles, look at uh, Proverbs eleven fourteen. Okay, so it's a wise thing to do. You're not as smart as you think, and you're the only one that doesn't know it. Proverbs 11.14 says, Where there is no guidance, the people fall. But in abundance of counselors, there's victory. Some of us have, as a translation for victory, there's safety. And that is true. You see, to go see counseling is a safe thing to do. It protects you from falling. It protects you from failure. It protects you from harming yourself. And the way that God does that is by saying, hey, you need to go seek some counsel. Now, look what it says, though. It says that if we look at it, where there is no guidance, people will fall. It protects us from falling. But in abundance of counselors, there's victory. Some of us have got one person maybe in our life or maybe a few people in our life. And particularly when you have one person in your life where you go and seek counsel, there's a, there's a very strong warning here that you need to take heed to. Some of us go and we look to an individual for counsel, and they may be a good counselor, and we'll determine what a good counselor is in a second. They may give good counsel. Uh, they may be wise people. They may be wise before God. It may be the right thing to do. They may have earned your trust and your respect. And you know what? And that's good. But there's a danger to that. And the danger is very simple. You could come to that person on a bad day, and they could give you the absolute worst counsel that you could ever hear in your life. See, amen, and we're seeing this true all throughout our society, but when we trust amen for all the answers, we open ourselves to failure, and also we put them in a position of failing as well. See, there's only one God, and there's only one Word of God. And the rest of us need to understand what the Word of God says in order to be better counselors, but the reality of it is, where there is a multitude of counselors, there is much more safety. Never turn to one individual for every answer in life. And God says that there is safety because you could go to a person on a given day about a particular subject and you can get the worst information in the world back from that person. And you know what I've noticed about counsel? In areas where we have fallen in our life, we tend to be a little bit more compassionate than we should sometimes and we tend not to tell the truth and we don't lay it out like we should because we feel disqualified in that area. And so the reality of, of limiting ourselves to a counselor is that we may not be getting the truth as we need to hear it because they're soft on a particular subject. And you see that happen all the time. And you know, it's so funny as we get blown away by it. Well, gee, how can they be so soft on this? Well, I'll tell you how they're so soft on it because it's probably an area of their life where they're really struggling. And we need to be careful about that. We need to have more than one counselor in our life, more than one source of counsel. It's interesting, I had a friend that wanted to, to, to do a business deal, and he asked me, he said, you know, what do you think? He said, well, first of all, man, let's take a look at this. The guy you want to go into business with isn't a Christian. What, you know, what partnership does a non-Christian have with a Christian? You know, and, and it says in 1 Corinthians 6, what fellowship is there with darkness and light? You've got two different uh, standards. You've got two different directions that you're heading. I, you know, based on the word of God, I think you're foolish if you, if you get involved in that. And so he went, and 3,000 miles away, he went to two other people and asked them the same question. 
and the most wonderful thing happened. 3,000 miles away, two other people, we asked the same question, said the same thing, quoted the same verse, the same passage, the same scripture, came back to me one day and said, man, you know what? He goes, I talked to Charles, I talked to George, I talked to you, you guys all said the same thing. I said, you know what? There's safety in a multitude of counselors. This is not my opinion, it's the word of God. And he didn't do what he wanted to do, which was wonderful. And so there is safety in getting counsel from a multitude of sources. Now, wait a minute for a second, okay? Because here's what some of us do. You go until you find the one that tells you what you want to hear. <laughs> and and, and you're, missing, you're missing the point here, folks. You know, it's kind of like you don't go until you finally find what you want to hear. You go long enough to where you go, well, gee whiz, you know, nine out of ten people said the same thing, and I think it sounds like a safe thing to do is to listen to their counsel. And, and we'll talk about it in a second, but, you know, you need to make sure that you go into the right people. Proverbs 15:22. Look at a third reason why we need counsel. Proverbs 15:22. Without consultation, without counsel, plans are frustrated. But with many counselors they succeed. Proverbs 15:22. Without consultation plans are frustrated. You know, basically the bottom line is, you know what? It's really a good thing to do. It doesn't get much simpler than that. It's a good thing to do. It's a good thing to get counsel because without counsel you're going to be frustrated and with counsel the chances of success are so much greater than without. So he says just do it. You know, it's a good thing to do. It doesn't, you know, we don't have to get all hung up on, gee, whether we should do it or not do it, look at the last thing in Proverbs 22, 17 through 21. Same thing. It's a pleasant thing to do. It's good. You know, some of us think that counsel, you know, is no good. We've come to the conclusion. Counseling is no good. Who needs counseling? we got the Word of God. It's no good. We don't need counsel. Well, and I don't think we can make a blanket statement like that because God is encouraging us to seek counsel. And there's going to be some areas in our life where we can't handle it. We don't understand enough about it. And it's no different than any other area of life where, you know, if you want to go buy a house, you want to buy a car, you want to buy something, you go and you try to get as much information as you can. You spend a whole lot of time studying the thing before you make a decision. And the most amazing and scary thing to me is I see people who spend six months trying to decide what car to buy. And when it comes to other decisions in their life, they'll just make them in, a, in an instant. It's like, man, you know, we need to be putting the same amount of thought into every decision that we make. You know, because some of us are very emotional and impulsive people, and we need to slow down a little bit. You know, it's a pleasant thing to do. Read that when you have some time. It's a pleasant thing to do. It's like Jackie Gleason used to say on the honeymooners. Mm, sweet it is. And, you know, and it is. Counsel, you know, he said something like that, okay, but, you know, take it easy. Anyway, these are, these are four reasons why we should seek counsel, okay? Now, the second question that we talked about was, now, who should give us counsel? Number one, I think we're all in agreement that we should seek counsel. We don't know what we think we know, and what we think we know we really don't know, or what we think we know we don't know, and what we don't know we do know. Oh, wretched man that I am, who can set me free from making this decision? And, uh, you know, basically that's what it comes down to. Who should give us counsel? Who should give us counsel? And I think you're going to be surprised as you consider some of the answers that the Bible has to say on this whole area. Look at Proverbs 19.21. Proverbs 19.21. Who should give us counsel? We saw that many are the plans in a man's heart, but the counsel of the Lord, it will stand. Where's the first place to go to counsel? 
first person that we should always turn to whenever we've got a difficult decision or question is the Lord. We need to turn to the Lord, first of all, and before any other man or any other woman on the face of the earth, we need to turn to the Lord. We need to drop down on our knees and we need to begin to pray earnestly about the decisions that we have to make. We need to seek the counsel of the Lord. You know why? Because it says that the Lord's counsel, it will stand. I like that. See, we've got a God who has never and will never change. He is the same yesterday, he's the same today, and he's the same tomorrow. He's the same forever. There's only two things that will last forever, and that's the word of God and the souls of men and women. That's it. Everything else is in transition. Everything else is going to be changed. And uh, I think we need to understand that. And we live in a world of transition, in a world of constant change, and some of us don't handle it real well when things change and start to fall apart before our eyes. And God says, that's a wonderful thing, that the world's in transition, because it makes you wonder and, and realize that I'm the only one that you can turn to and trust. I don't change. And what he tells you today is going to be good tomorrow, too. And what he told you ten years ago is still good today. His counsel will stand forever. It's a scary thing when you think of men and women that you go to for counsel and they tell you one thing today and three years from now they change. Oh, well, we got the new latest improved techniques now. We got a newer improved and better product. We changed. Well, wait a minute. Was it good counsel then? Well, we thought it was. It's the best that we had. But now we got new and improved counsel. Oh, good. Well, you messed up my life. Well, sorry about that. You know? So we need to understand that the Lord is the primary source of all counsel. Number two, and the second thing that we need to understand is look at Proverbs 12.5. It said, the thoughts of the righteous are just, but the counsels of the wicked are deceitful. Second source of counsel are believers only. Believers only. Never, ever, ever seek the counsel of a non-believer. Ever. Oh, but I know some really nice non-believers. Well, I'm sure you do. But you know what? See, there's a problem here. And the problem is very simple. And the book of Proverbs highlights the problem. But the problem is simply this. There are only two kinds of people on the face of the earth. There are those who are in God's family and those who are outside God's family. There are those who are saints or there are those who ain't. There are those who are godly and there are those who are ungodly. There are those who are just and there are those who are unjust. And basically, that's the only differentiation between them. And that is that there's two ways of thinking. One is man's ways, one is God's way. And you're either going to think like God thinks, or you're going to think like man thinks, and there is no crossing over between the two. And the point is very simple. If I am going to seek counsel, I have got to seek counsel from a godly person who is coming from the same frame of reference, who can use the same standard of the Bible as their authority in how to give me direction in my life. Now, you've got to understand something. You're never going to go to a counselor that has above their door, enter here, the counsel of the ungodly. All right? You follow what I'm saying? That's, you're not going to have that happen. They're not going to say that. They're not going to identify themselves as being the counsel of the ungodly. But Psalm 1 talks about never enter into the counsel of the wicked. Never. What do they have to tell you? 
They don't think like you do. They're not coming from the same point, point of view as far as the Bible is concerned. They don't have the same goals in life. They're not here to please the Lord. They're here to please themselves. Don't ever go to non-Christian counseling. It's as simple as it gets. And there's all kinds of sources for non-Christian counseling, okay? So let's just assume for a moment you can't recognize non-Christian counsel. Here's some tidbits. Number one, be careful what kind of magazines and books that you read. Number two, be careful what kind of TV shows that you watch. Soap operas, uh, TV shows, movies, talk shows, whether on radio or TV. It all sounds so good, and the way it seems right to man, but its end is destruction, it's foolishness, it's stupid, it's not right before God, but some of it sounds so good and it's packaged so good, we think that it's wise. And it's not. And we've got to be very careful. We need to understand that you're not going to have it packaged in a way. And in fact, here's another tidbit. If you're going to a counselor now, first question you should ask before you even pay him a penny is this. Can you tell me when you came to know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? And after they explain that, could you tell me or give me your views on the Bible? That's all. And if they've never come to know Christ as their Savior, then you don't have to ask them the second point because it's, it's immaterial at that point, right? And if they've come to know the Lord as Savior and Lord, but they say, well, you know what? I think there's some good things in the Bible and some bad things in the Bible. I think there's some things you should believe and some things I don't know if you should believe or not. It's like, thank you very much. We'll talk to you. No, I guess we won't talk to you later. <laughs> we'll see, no, we won't see you later either. Uh, later. <laughs> you know, and that's what you have to do. Because, man, you end up getting there and you end up exposing yourself and emotionally you end up listening to these things and then you're weak and you're exposed, you're vulnerable, and you start believing all this stuff. We need to stick to the truth of the Word of God. Now, here's another problem. Is every Christian you go to going to be a good source of counsel? Nah, nope, not at all. That's why in Romans 15, 14, it says that we should go, if we seek counsel, seek counsel from believers that are filled with goodness. Counsel from believers that are filled with goodness. It means very simply this, people that are living right before God. I don't want to go and seek counsel from someone who is living in obvious sin in their life in a certain area. Because you know what? They're going to be real soft in that area as far as what kind of counsel that they give. What are they going to say? Well, yeah, you know what? You're right. The Bible does say that I shouldn't be doing this. But, hey, you know, we're all human beings and we're all really subject to this. And, you know, we got our needs, man. And we got this emotion thing that we're dealing with. And, you know, God gave us these emotions. And if he didn't give us to these emotions, we wouldn't have these feelings. Since we got these feelings, I guess it's okay to do what we're doing. And after all, it's all God's fault, huh? Amen. Hallelujah. That's what Adam and Eve said, too. Hey, you know, and it's wrong. It's wrong. So if you're going to go seek counsel, seek counsel from people that are living right before God. And if there's a known area in their life where they're not living right before God, then why would you go to them to seek counsel in the area that you're struggling in? That doesn't make any sense. That's stupid. They need to seek counsel in the area that they're struggling in. You might be able to help them out. Number four, believers that are filled with wisdom. Believers that are filled with wisdom. Colossians 1.28 says that if we're going to seek counsel, we need to seek counsel from believers who are living right before God and are wise. And we proclaim him, speaking of Jesus, admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom that we may present every man complete in Christ. Okay, if you're going to go to someone for counsel, go to someone who is living right before the Lord, go to someone who act, that ought, 
that has wisdom in how they approach life. Now, we've already seen that wisdom is what? Is the right use of knowledge. All right? What you need to do is, let's say you're struggling in an area, and you go to somebody and say, you know what, this is an area that I'm struggling with. Okay, that person can take you and say, here's what the Bible has to say. All right? Here's knowledge. This is what it says. Now, here's some practical ways that you can apply that knowledge that you have. That's a wise person. A wise person can help you go from where you are today by instilling knowledge of the Word of God in your life and then giving you a path to follow that is wise in a way that will take you from over here to over here, which is more pleasing to God. We need to go to people that are wise. And wisdom comes from God. How to accurately apply it. Now, another thing that's interesting is, is that Romans 12.8 says that there are believers who have a spiritual gift of counsel. Exhortation, the gift of exhortation or the gift of counsel. There are those that have come to know Christ and the Spirit of God, according to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, gives each believer a gift or gifts. There are people that have the gift of counsel. That's not a bad place to go. Not a bad place to go. Problem is most of us don't know what our spiritual gifts are. That'd be an interesting series sometimes just to do. I mean, how many of you, just as a uh, point of reference for, for me, how many of you know what your spiritual gift is or are? Yeah, I, I can see, see we're real sure of that too. <laughs> how many are positive what their spiritual gift is? So maybe a third of the people here. Okay. I mean, there's nothing better than knowing what gift God has given you for the purpose of ministering to one another and also for the purpose of serving the Lord. That's a great position to be in. So anyway, there are people that have the gift of counsel. And number six, we want to go to people who will counsel us that will have a father's heart. Look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. That'll have a father's heart. You know, so many of us know the. You know, we know what to tell people. We know the right thing, but we just have no compassion whatsoever. Man, I mean, we're just like, well, this is what you should do. I mean, that's it. There it is, right here. There's a passage. There's a verse. There's a chapter. That's it. Six more references. We can give you that too. I mean, what do you need to know? That's it. That's it. Do it. And you know what? It's kind of like, it's true. But. We need to be a little more sensitive to one another. You know, and listen to me. You know, and it's kind of like, you know, but it's, but you know, this, but it's true. What it says is true. And we need to be sensitive. We need to be more compassionate. And uh, Paul writes, you are witnesses, and so is God, how devoutly and uprightly and blamelessly we behave toward you believers. Just as you know how we were exhorting, there it is, and encouraging and imploring each one of you as a father would his own children so that you may walk in a manner worthy of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and into his own glory. I think sometimes the reason that people don't listen to good counsel is that we're just so cold and calculated when we give it. You know, we need to be sensitive. We need, we need to hurt for people that are going through tough times and sometimes it's hard to do it. Because you know and I know that some of the people that, are, that God has continuing in, in our life are people that are they're hurting because they keep doing the same stupid thing. And no matter how, how many times you tell them, they keep on doing it. And sometimes, you know, this is, just, this is me speaking, sometimes you just get so sick of it, you just say, well, you know what, 
it's kind of like you just go, your blood's on your own hand, you know? Just, if you're going to be so stupid and you're going to keep on doing it, then don't come and ask me anymore because the answer hasn't changed. Stop doing what you're doing and maybe some of the problems that you're having will go away. No, but they keep on doing the same thing. And so we lack the compassion, you know? It's kind of like when, with your kids. And Paul's saying that as a father, you know, counsels his own children, sometimes we need to cry with them, you know? Sometimes we just need to hug them. Sometimes we just need to hold them. Uh, and yet, always speak the truth in love. Because the truth's the only thing that's going to set them free. A hug's not going to solve their problem. It may comfort them for the moment, but it's not going to solve what their problem is. So while we may hug and we may uh, encourage one another and we may feel compassionate and sensitive toward each other, if we don't tell them the truth, then we're really not helping them. Because anybody could give a hug. But only God's people have a source of information that will give direction and purpose in life. And so as we look at these things, we need to understand that God requires that we seek counsel. But he also gives us guidelines as to where to seek the counsel. Seek it from the Lord first. And, 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 and then from believers. But you know, the interesting thing is the believer's counsel always has to line up with the word of God. And you go down through, and just not from any believer, but a believer who's living right before God, who loves the Lord and is obedient to his commandments, and they're walking in faith, and they trust the Lord, and they, they don't have confusion or sin in their life. They're not entangled. They're not frustrated or confused about something in their life. They can clearly see the perspective of God. That's what we need. Believers that are filled with wisdom that can take the knowledge that they have about the word of God and help you to apply it in your life, in your particular situation, and in the particular problem that you're struggling with. Believers that may have a spiritual gift, it's a good place to go. And people that are sensitive and compassionate. Somebody who cares about you as a person. Their heart goes out for you because they're not going to compromise the truth because they care about you more than anything. And yet you know that you can listen to them because they do care about you. Now, you go to this person, how should that counsel be given? And this will kind of put it all together. How should the counsel be given? Okay, you ready? Number one, always use the Bible. Someone comes to you and they have a question, they've got a problem in their life, and they ask for some advice or counsel. The first thing that you need to do is be able to use the Bible. The Word of God stands forever. The principles of God, Psalm 119.24 says that thy testimonies, O Lord, are my delight, and they are also my counselors. The Word is the chief source of counsel. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 4, chapter 4, verse 2, talks about that scripture, all scripture is profitable. All scripture is profitable. And that means it's good. You know, it, it's good, it's pleasant, it's right. It's a thing that will help set us straight. We need to always use the Bible. Second thing is, and we need to be aware of this and jot some of these down because you'll have more time to, to get into it, but we need to, we need to counsel one another with respect for age and sexual differences. 1 Timothy 5 and also Titus 2 talk about the older women should instruct the younger women. Uh, older men should instruct younger men. And it doesn't mean that a young person cannot give counsel to an older person. But it gives guidelines on how that counsel is to be given. See, sometimes as a younger person, older people have a problem listening to me. And it's kind of like they think they should know more. And that's just kind of the way we are. You know what I mean? And what I've got to respect is that they are older and I need to respect them for being in the position of being older and I need to show them respect as I would show anyone in my life. So if an older person is going to come to me for counsel, I need to show respect and dignity to them as a person, not looking down upon them or not thinking I know more than them or not having an arrogance about me, 
but just saying, you know, here's what the Word of God has to say. You might want to take that and study it, check into it, and then we'll talk about it. Same thing with, with men and women. Let's get something straight. And this is the most dangerous thing in the world. There isn't anything in the Bible that says that a man can't counsel a woman. And, uh, and a man can't counsel a woman, and I think it should be left to theological questions only. I think that if you're going to get counsel for marriage and family and love relationships with your children or your husband, then ladies, go seek an older woman who is, meets all these other qualifications that we talked about, who loves the Lord, is a believer, that knows the Word of God, who is walking right, whose marriage is good. You know, it's the dumbest thing in the world to go to a marriage counselor whose marriage is all screwed up. You know, excuse me, but you know what? You and I have the same problem. Why would I come to you and pay you to tell me how to get my marriage straightened out when yours all messed up? So, you know what I'm saying? I mean, it would be good to look at those issues and say, hey, if I'm going to go to someone for business counseling, I want somebody that has a good reputation in business and has a successful business record. I'm not going to go to somebody who continually has problems in their life in that area. That's stupid. And if you're going to go to someone for marriage and family counseling, then make sure, hey, not only do you know the Lord, uh, what do you think of the Word of God? Hey, how's your family life? You know? Oh, third marriage you're on, huh? Oh, yeah, but I have so much more to offer you because I've made so many mistakes. Yeah, well, guess what? Don't share them with me because i got enough things that I'm already messing up with. I get new stupid ideas. <laughs> and we need to understand that. And, you know, here's the other thing, too. Is this is the greatest thing about men counseling men. You know what's great? I can go with the guy and we can walk out and I can say, listen, don't hand me any more of your crap. I can say that to the guy and they'll respect that and we get cut right through all of it and then we get right down to the issues. Now, you say that to a woman. Hey, Knock that crap off. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, really. You know, and, and, and you know what's so funny is older ladies say the same thing. These young ladies like, well, you don't understand. They go, knock that crap off. You know, they say the same thing. The lady, young lady goes, okay, well, let's get right to the issues. See, older ladies know. They've been through it, and they're not going to believe all this garbage that you're saying. They know. And so it cuts out all that kind of stuff. It's great. So, hey, you know, if we're going to give counsel... You know, tr try to do it God's way. Men give counsel to men. Women give counsel to women. See, if a guy gives counsel to a woman and she starts talking about how bad her husband treats her, you know the first thing a guy wants to do? Go beat the guy up. He's what? He's, pu he's pushing you around. He's doing what? He's like, you're, the, the gal's crying. You know, the guy's getting all ticked off. You know, I'm listening to the story, and I know the guy. It's like, you know what? I don't have time. I, I'm out of here. Hey, meet me on a beat. I'm going to beat the snot out of you. You know, it's like, what are you doing pushing your wife around? What's the matter with you? I'm going to smack you around. And that's what happens. You know, it's like, you know, you lose a little bit of that compassionate father's heart. So anyway. <laughs> so keep that in mind. Oh, gee, and look at the third one. In, and you know what? If you're going to give someone counsel, you need to be patient. You need to be patient. Some of us are like, oh, this is easy. This is an easy one. Here's six verses, man, or six passages. So clearly explain what your problem is. Just read it, study it, then do it. Huh? That's it. And it's done if you just do it. But see, some of us, we're not patient enough. It's kind of like we need to give people time. We need to give God time to work in their life. We need to keep praying for them, yet we need to keep on doing the right thing by them. We need to not compromise the truth. We need to keep sharing with them. But we know that only God can change hearts. And the more that you and I try to change somebody's heart, the more messed up they get and the more resistance that they have. Sometimes we just need to back away and let God do his best work in their life. And man, I'll tell you what, I know about our God that while we're faithless, he is faithful. 
and he is continuing to be at work in people's lives that are doing wrong before him if they're a child of his. And he will discipline them, and he will convict them, and he will continue to love them and to draw, himself, draw them to himself. And the best way that we can help God with that whole process is to keep loving that person, keep on instructing them in truth, and be patient with them and know that they're in God's hands. And some of us are real frustrated because we've got kids or family members that, you know what, they're just not walking with the Lord right now. And we want to do everything we can to change their heart. We want to do everything we can to make them right with God. And the hardest thing in the world as a parent and as a friend is sometimes to take two steps back and say, Lord, they're in your hands, and I trust you to do good work in their life. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I know it's going to. And in the meantime, I'm not going to compromise my walk with you for them. We need to be patient. We need to be confronting. Loving confrontation, second, one of the second essential ingredients to friendship was not only counsel, but it was confrontation. There are certain times where we need to confront. Sometimes we need to confront, because the person that's living, not living right with the Lord isn't going to come to you always for counsel. And so we need to initiate that whole uh, situation. Sometimes we need to say, hey, by the way, have you thought about this? Are you struggling with this? Oh, yes, I am, and I'm so glad because I've been wanting to talk to somebody about it, but I haven't been, I, I just don't know how to go about it. Thank you, man, and thank you, Lord, for bringing this person into my life. And doing so in a way of not judge, judgmental, but of loving confrontation. The emotional identity we talked about. Crying with people when, when, they, when they're crying. Feeling bad when they feel bad. Mourning when they mourn. Rejoice when they rejoice. You know, put yourself into their position. How would you feel if you were going through what they were going through? See, this is all the key ingredients to giving good godly counsel. You know, and there's so many people that say, you know, there's just not a lot of people that have a pastor's heart nowadays. Everything's so cold and calculated. But we all need to have this type of sensitivity. Number six, and the last thing is with gentleness. Brethren, if any of you sin, let them restore them in gentleness so that they can be made right with God. Gentleness. Truth is truth, and it never changes. And if, as you think about this whole area of counsel, we all need counsel. There's a person here that does not need counsel at some point and in some area of their life. We all need to seek counsel. But we need to seek godly counsel from believers that love the Lord, that love His Word, and us. Counselors that know the Lord, that have the knowledge of the Word of God, and can show us how to apply it in this difficult situation in our life. That's the kind of counsel that we need. Those are the type of people. And if you've got people in your life like that, then just take a moment and thank God for them. But let me tell you something else as an encouragement to all of us. We all need to be such people. Let's pray. Father, thanks for this day that we could come together and worship you in song and, and just the sharing of your word. God, maybe we be people that continually trust you and believe what you have to say. God, help us to realize that all of us need counsel and it's only pride and arrogance that keeps us from getting help at difficult times in our life. God, help us to be discerning and careful as we seek such counsel. God, help us to be people as we give counsel or receive it can check it against your word to make sure that it is good, that it's right, and it's just. God, we just thank you, and we just pray that uh, in every area of our life that we can continue to come to you for direction and for purpose and for meaning. God, help each of us to become counselors of one another and do so in a way that brings glory and honor to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
close with this.